0: Before we start today's show, just want to give a massive shout-out to ACAST for making this show happen. Thanks, ACAST. Hello and welcome to the PJ Podcast. Hope you're having a wonderful day. Thank you for joining me this afternoon, this evening, this morning, whatever time it is, wherever you are. This week, I am so excited. Oh my God, I did it again. I always do it. So excited for my guest. This person, we crossed paths briefly when I lived in Melbourne, um, working on the TV show, The House of Wellness, but we never really got to know each other. And I thought... Getting her on the podcast would be a great excuse to actually sit down and have a proper chat. Her name is Sarah Davidson. Um, She has her own podcast called Seize the Yay. And there's something so infectious about her personality. Not on a COVID kind of way, in a very bubbly, you just can't help but feel lifted when you're around her. Lifted or uplifted? You know what I mean? Like there's just something really... Charismatic about her. Um, We're going to talk about her journey and how she left her her high-flying lawyer job back in 2015 and then embarked on a brand new journey starting a business called Marcha Maiden with her partner. Now, things actually started out really well for them, but there were a number of challenges along the way, as you can imagine working with your partner, Um, and we dive into a number of things, including the importance of assessing the five people you spend the most time with in your life, why that's so important to get really clear on who you spend the most time with, and redefining failure and embracing it and falling into failure. Falling into failure, is that what she said? falling forward. I think that was it. Anyway, hope you get inspired by Sarah Davidson's episode of the PJ Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. I miss you so much. We didn't spend that much time on set together, but the times we had were just a
0: ball. They were fleeting. They were too too quick. And I just felt like every time we sort of crossed paths, I was like, I feel like we get along really well. And, and then I we never like, really got the opportunity to let that friendship flourish.
1: Right? I was like, we would be best friends <laughs> if we were not constrained by other people's time. Exactly. Frames
0: for us. It's all their fault. Um, where do we start today? I really wanted to talk about, first of all, the leap that you made. Was it in 2015 where you were in the corporate world and you were yeah. a pretty high flying lawyer and then you quit your job? <laughs>
1: I did. I love stories like this. Time. Me too. I love a good story, but I'm not very good at condensing mine. So I'll (laughs) I'll try and give you the short story, but I I don't think it's within my skill set to do that. So please interrupt me if I'm rambling too much. So i give you like
0: a two-minute time limit.
1: Yeah, yeah, good. (laughs) No, just go as chatty as each other. Just
0: (laughs) tell us your story and we'll go there with you.
1: (laughs) Okay, so yeah 2015 so the the very beginning of the story uh was i guess starting at the the start of my career i started as a corporate lawyer as you mentioned a very conventional traditional career path i'd sort of studied law for seven years before getting into an amazing law firm and taking that very commercial pathway but looking back i don't you know often people will say like after you how did you choose law and then how did you choose to leave it and it's Mm. funny that that that's the word that people use. I don't know that it was a choice as much as a <laughs> process of elimination. Like mm-hmm. I was one of those typical people who finished school. I never hit that sort of clarity of I want to be blah when I grow up. I, I've wanted to be everything when I grew up. Like yeah. I, I've been through the cycle but I never settled on one thing. And, and God, think, there's well, so you're... much
0: pressure as well when you come out of school and everyone's like, what are you going to do?
1: Totally. And like and you're it's... not
0: meant to know at that age, right?
1: No. And, and it's pitched as this forever decision. Yes. But... I think for our parents, perhaps it was. You You were expected to have one or two career paths. But in this day and age, I think the average has gone from nine to 12 yeah. different jobs. So, I mean, the pressure really is off. And, and it. I would worry that you weren't growing if you didn't have a few different pivots. 100%. In, you know, in the pace of, of this world. But back then, I didn't know that. I'd sort of started out on this very uh, certainty-focused career. And... Yeah. I, I got to year 12. I was very naughty. Uh, I had a very naughty phase, sort of from year nine to year 11, but really settled down. So basically- Were the way you? I did were way you was... a badass? Okay. So I started off, this, this is a very, this is why I, I can't tell a short story. I go off on tangents. So <laughs> very, very beginning to give you some context. I was born in an orphanage in South Korea and mm-hmm. adopted into a Caucasian family and grew up in Australia. Both sides are from dairy farms. So in terms of that- we are so lucky to grow up in the luckiest country in the world. I really had that acute sense of it could have been different. So that's Mm. sort of the first, I think that's the first background point to why I've always been eager to do everything and not just settle on one thing because I'm like, I need to make the most of this. And the other thing is I've always been fascinated by sliding doors moments, so how different things could have been and how you need to make the most of that as well. So all through primary school, I was really nerdy, loved academics, but I also tried to do every extracurricular activity ever and just like, you know, make the most of every <laughs> talent and opportunity. Like I'm just yeah. too much really. And so that continued in high school and and as is kind of not that uncommon, that all that energy turned into rebellion for a little while there, because you just have so much energy for exploration mm. and finding out who you are and talking to people. And that involves pushing boundaries so there was a very law-abiding goody two-shoes younger years then a very naughty oh wait there's boys there's alcohol there's parties in (laughs) in the middle yes (laughs) and then towards the end i kind of i realized you know I, i do have some academic abilities and I should use them. I need to choose a career. I ended up at a very academic school and I got a good enough score to to have some options. And not knowing what I wanted to do, I sort of went, well, I hate blood. Um, I'm not good at science and maths. I want to still keep as many doors open as I can. So law was like a default. I thought by the end of uni, that might have changed. Same thing. I did very academic subjects in law and very sort of creative subjects in arts, and still hadn't figured it out. So, got swept up in the momentum of like what everyone else was doing, which was trying to get into a law firm. So, I i didn't choose law, but I never hated it. It was the best place
0: to start mm. my career. And, where and get discipline, got, do you think? Pardon? And get, sorry, Kiwi accent. And get, <laughs> it's got really thick yeah. since so I've come get. home. <laughs> disciplined (laughs) do you think it yeah it helped kind of set that discipline for you absolutely yeah
1: I think it it teaches you a certain way of thinking it teaches you to organize your time it teaches you to build your thoughts in a logical way because everything in law is being persuasive it's Mm. trying to sort of make the most persuasive argument to convince x or y that your view is the correct one that is an immeasurably valuable skill I didn't know that at the time
0: yeah wow I didn't think of it like that so then naturally when you were to go start a business you would have had all these tricks up your sleeve yeah in terms of persuasiveness and in a Not in a nasty way, but like that would have kind of been your natural (laughs) inclination. Persuasion.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But what was interesting about the way that I left is I think. A very common story for corporate refugees is I hated my job. I hated working for the man. I was always looking for somewhere else to go. And I wasn't that person. I was actually really gratified by being successful and busy and climbing this ladder where you got promotions and pay rises and titles and offices. And I think what's scary to me Mm -hmm. now is that I don't worry about people who are actively unhappy because it'll inevitably get too bad and they'll change. Yes. If you're just fine and sort of grateful for what you do have, but so much so that you won't look for what could be better than good. I worry that you could sit in that comfort for mm. your lifetime and never know anything different. And that, that was me. I was like, it's good job. Like ticks a lot of boxes. So why would I look kind of elsewhere? And it was only because my husband is the opposite of me. He's never had (laughs) what he calls a conventional job. He's never had a stable job. He's always been a business owner. He had this incredible opportunity to go to Rwanda because his creative agency had sponsored a project, the proceeds of which went to um, a school there. And I sort of was like, well, it doesn't really line up with what I want to do, but if I wanted to go to the United Nations, maybe this could be an amazing thing to do. So I applied for leave that I didn't have (laughs) and went away with him two things happened. The first was I expected, particularly from my background, that I would see the sort of conditions that this country town in Rwanda lived in and feel incredibly grateful for all the technology and opportunities we have, Mm. which of of course is one aspect. The biggest surprise was that I actually saw purer happiness in kids (laughs) playing with a leaf for like 12 hours and adults breaking into song because they were so happy to see each other than us who had everything, but just want more.
0: Yes. So that
1: was like powerful.
0: like,
1: Ooh, success and happiness aren't the same thing. And the other thing that I brought home was a gut parasite, which was a great, <laughs> great time for the Delightful. first three kilos. Oh and my then the next gosh. 15 were like, not fun. So wow. got banned from coffee, discovered matcha powder, couldn't find it, tried to get some myself, ordered too much, started a business. And that's how it happened.
0: And then Matcha Maiden was born and that started – did that start out just as an online business?
1: Yeah, it literally started out as my husband and I buying – So. It existed out in the world, but it was Mm. only in a, you know, T2 for $60 for a small tin. It wasn't a health food product. It was a ceremonial product. Right. And it started because we were like, surely there's a more affordable, accessible way to do this that's pitched to the health benefits, which are amazing. And we ordered some from ourselves from this beautiful tea farm we found that had this kind of middle ground, affordable blend. I spoke a little bit of Japanese, which helped get in the door and it turned up and it was 2 million serves too many. So it wasn't even an (laughs) online store. It was literally just a like, shit, we spent all our money. Oh God. What are we going to do with this powder? And should we just like flog it off to some friends? And then Nick kind of like knocked up a website, but not actually thinking anyone, like no strangers would go to it for sure. But it turned out that we'd stumbled upon a gap for ourselves that other people had stumbled upon at the same time. And it sold out in a week, and that's when we realized it was an actual business idea.
0: So you literally sort of took the plunge from that job. Obviously, number of reasons kind of got you out of there. You start this business, and you kind of just jump straight into success. You didn't really have any of that real hardship that a lot of businesses start out with.
1: Yeah, it was a really strange... Like I think, and you'll probably agree with me, women in particular, but a lot of people attribute too much of their success to luck yeah i think there's always a bit of luck and circumstance but there's a lot of hard work and strategy and blood sweat and tears that goes into it but i can safely say (laughs) we had the luckiest timing right no one else was doing it it wasn't too early in that no one had heard of it everyone had heard of it the kardashians were drinking it but just no one had made it a brand so yeah You're absolutely right. When we launched, the demand, we didn't have to work for that demand. It was kind of already there. And we just stepped in and were like, hey, we've got this stuff and we can ship it to you. And it looks cool. It's Instagrammable and it's organic. Like it ticks all the boxes and it's $24.95 with free shipping. Like what's not to to love? So for us, the hardest part was, I mean, obviously it was scary starting, but the hardest part was actually when entrants started to like come into the and market there was
0: demand and no that when there were competitors, we were oh, competitors right. for yeah, a year. yeah, yeah. and so how did you mitigate that when you actually had like people to go against? It was really, uh,
1: it was a strange thing because most businesses face that at the beginning, the whole exercise is like, what are your competitors doing? How do you mm. beat what they're doing? We were just like, all we have to do is convince people what matcha is, not why ours is better. Yeah. And it was almost like starting another business because everything we'd done at the start had to change. The tone had to change. The marketing messages had to change. All the information that we were kind of promoting had to change. And we were still, I still had no idea what I was doing. So I didn't leave the firm until six months in. I kind of kept my foot in both doors as long as I could to keep a bit of a wage. That's smart. (laughs) Yeah, and and see if it would actually grow big enough and then six months after that was when it got really hard and I was like, oh, I don't think (laughs) most people face the toughest bit a year in. It's usually earlier on, but it was really hard and if if the imposter syndrome was strong when I first started, once I'd gone full time and hedged all my bets and then started having bigger players start to come in the market, that's when I was like, what am I doing? I should basically leave and I had a breakdown and got in the fetal position and... (laughs) A few weeks to come back out of it to be honest. <laughs>
0: I think one of the tough things about going out on your own and and really backing yourself is that kind of unknown with finances along the way because you can have really good times and then really bad times. How do you sort of deal with that going through that process and navigating that oh this month might be less than last month because I feel like that is quite a jump when going from you know your constant regular salary?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And interestingly, in that first year, the growth was so exponential that we did not have time. In Mm. fact, I think it worked better for us because I might've talked myself out of it if I'd had more time to think about it. We were just forced to just keep up with demand. So where a normal business owner might sort of shop around for the most reasonably priced bag. We were just like, who can get it to us now? Wow. So I hadn't really looked at profitability or business planning or margins or anything in the whole first year because we just didn't have time. Yeah. So it really was that sort of after that first year that I was like, oh my gosh, I have to work for this dollar and I actually have to figure out how to make it consistent. And then to pay myself a wage out of that, that took like another three years. Yeah.
0: Because it doesn't come overnight, eh? And I think when people look at other people doing cool things and, like, they see businesses taking off, often it still takes a while to really kick in for that success financially To for you to see that success, I guess. And so often, you know, there is that really awkward time of working out how much you pay yourself and, and all that stuff and all these things you haven't factored in because you've never had to do it before.
1: Totally. And like seasonal things like, you know, mm. in, in um, spring for like the spring detox and summer for like an iced matcha, you know, it's, it's easy to sell that dream. But then in, in winter, you know, people, I, I guess like we, we kind I think of, of, try of a hot, to market it. I think of a hot matcha. You, you do, but we were really trying to steer away from the whole tea Uh, Manifestation to pitch it as a health fit like a smoothie so suddenly all of our assets didn't work because everything was like mangoes and berries and (laughs) little things like that where like sales slow down or sales slow down in January there's nothing you know that kind of thing planning around well you're not going to have much revenue in January so what are you going to do about that but December's big so how can you preempt that each year and learn from those patterns and Mm. it's funny that you said that because I actually think the times where outwardly it looked like we were smashing it like we were traveling and celebrities were posting and
0: our revenue
1: was really high our expenses were even higher and I would say that's when I had the least personally had the least money to do stuff with
0: interesting Like the most
1: two-minute noodle zone.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like there's so much about it that's not glam along the way, right? And and that can be really hard and that can be a wake-up call because, you know, for some people just leaving the nine-to-five, it seems so idealistic and you get to do everything. But with that comes a lot of downsides. Well, not downsides, but just challenges that you need to get through.
1: Totally. And even like when there's only one of you or, I mean, there were two of us. And even that was hard, let alone if it was just one of Mm. you, if you get sick or if you have kids or you're pregnant or you have dependents, like you, you don't have sick leave and there's no one, especially in that early phase where you're doing all the, like running to the post office, there's no like warehouse or fulfillment people. It just stops. Like the business is you, so you, you almost have to never stop even if you're sick and then you're kind of in this weird burnout cycle so did you well find that you burnt out multiple times right. i mean the, the business was born out of me getting adrenal fatigue and being banned from coffee so you'd think
0: <laughs> you'd learn
1: <laughs> i would have like figured out you know the lesson and the irony is i left corporate to start a wellness <laughs> business so i <laughs> thought like i'm gonna be doing yoga at 11 o'clock on a tuesday with my matcha la, la, yes. la. I don't think I'd ever been unhealthier because I was like, I thought eating at my desk as a corporate was bad, but at home you just eat crackers because you're like, shit, there's crackers there. I can afford them. And like, I don't want to move and I can't afford anything else. So I'm just going to eat crackers all day. No nutrients, no sleep, no boundaries between like people working from home during COVID probably had more of a taste than they would had before of like, there are no boundaries your
0: your bed is your office like this is messy how do I rest and like turn off well how how do you like how have you learned over the years to be able to distinguish that clear line between work and home when you are spending a lot of time at home I wish your listeners could see my face right now I'm like (laughs) have we learned
1: that (laughs) (laughs) I mean we're getting there you know baby steps um I think that's still one of the hardest things ongoing, like even even including cash flow and self-doubt and all of those things, I actually think pacing yourself is the hardest part because no one forces you to take time off. No one can step in, even if you have staff, like no one can step in for your role and your drive that you have for the business. So the the biggest realization for me was like, it doesn't matter if you go 150% for two months and smash out all your goals if you get so sick that then for three months you're at 0%. It's going to catch what was the up. What point of that? It's going to yeah, catch up with you. Yeah, it always does. Yep. Or if it doesn't make you crash completely, it just makes you so tired that you don't enjoy any of it, you don't feel any benefits of the
0: wins, you're just
1: so burnt out. That- so Sarah, have you actually
0: learned that yet? Are you actually embodying I mean,
1: that? <laughs> I know the theory now. <laughs> it's
0: just hard to apply
1: <laughs> but what you know what is the point in living your dream and like yeah. the the joys of having a business are the flexibility but if you're not making the most of that flexibility then you might as well go and work for the man and have stability and sick leave and annual leave and all those things so I've learned that pacing yourself means actually you serve everything better 80% consistently is way better than 100% for a couple of weeks or a couple of months and interestingly I feel like you'll probably feel this to just from the conversations we've had about pushing through tiredness and illness and all those kinds mm. of things it's that you know you you think a everything's going to fall down around you but you also hear the advice so often listen to your body your body's so clever it's true it will tell you lots of things the problem is if you're so good at ignoring those signs like adrenaline feels like energy even though it's not mm. real energy so i actually have to my biggest learning and i'm not very good at it but i am getting better is putting in rest like i don't work on a sunday before i need it so i have to take that day off regardless of if i feel like i need it or not because by the Mm -hmm. time i feel like i need it
0: it's too late and you don't know and you get confused and you're like it's just energy but it's not it's adrenaline (laughs) it's totally fake energy or it's like excitement you know and so i have to
1: turn my phone off at a certain time i have to take that Sunday. And sometimes I, you know, if we have radio or something on a Sunday, I have to replace it on a Monday because if it doesn't get moved somewhere mm-hmm. might not be that week, but the week after I'll pay for it. And yep. so now I'm learning like make better decisions earlier on and then this won't happen.
0: And this has taken you how many years to learn?
1: I mean, my whole life. I've actually had glandular fever five times. Have you? So I'm a bit slow on the uptake when it comes to my health. <laughs> But seven years of business and I'm still
0: every It's refreshing to hear that though. (laughs) It's actually really refreshing to hear your honesty because it is the reality, I am sure, of so many people trying to live out their dream.
1: Totally. And like what's really hard is there are a couple of scenarios where you say you need work-life balance, but if you're a mum of four kids Mm -hmm. and you're – trying to run a business and you're in lockdown and you're trying to homeschool like balance is not a word really no you can't just go and self-care for hours and similarly at the beginning of a business it's more demanding it's like a baby like Mm -hmm. in the first few years balance looks very different to what you can afford balance to look like four years in yeah so there are times where and you would know like in in media there are times of the year where you're meant to be sleep deprived there is no other way to get through that time but then there are times of the year where you can chill out more you know It's, it's up and down balance doesn't have to be this like elusive concept that looks the same all the time because people feel constantly
0: like they're failing that that idea of balance and they're like but it's just not possible for me and so I think it needs to be redefined that word eh and like that'll look different to every single person
1: yeah and we can all afford to make sacrifices and then regain them and, or make up for them later. And all of us have different levels of how we can do that. Like some people can do it month to month. I'm getting much more like week to week. I need to repay the nights that I stay up late or wake up too early. Yeah. In the next couple of days, I need to make that up or it'll last longer. Whereas some people have much longer thresholds. So it all kind of depends. And I think too much of what we do is take advice from people as if that's the rule yeah. and not listen
0: to whether it actually works for you or not. Yes. Now, you have also done something very unique in the sense that you started a business with your gorgeous hubby. Um, <laughs> how does that go and how important are boundaries? So important. Mm-hmm. It goes well
1: now. <laughs> um, it is... At once the best thing and the hardest thing we've ever ever done. Yeah. I think. And if you can make it work, it is so incredibly rewarding to be working towards the same goals that are together goals. Like it can really be incredible to work with a loved one or a dear friend. But there are also some situations where you've really got to decide is a relationship more important to you or is the business more important to you? Because some people can't get through it. And, and you wouldn't want to lose the relationship because of it. But you guys are still doing it together. Yeah. So we've sold both the businesses, both the ones we had together now. So we've just started to sort of have our own separate careers again, but for six years we had both and I would say the first few years were really tough because.
0: It's not glamorous.
1: It's not glamorous regardless. But on top of that, we had come from such different lives, like we'd had totally different structures, we worked so separately, we could appreciate each other's worlds without needing to be in them. And it was all kind of nice to have that separate working life and then our together life was very delineated because it was like, when one of us was at work or home, it Mm. was really obvious. Then you go into like, well, everything's work and everything's not work because you're just living at home and working at home. Yeah. So you become housemates who are business partners, oh my firstly. God. So How living- do you keep the romance? I mean, it took a few years to figure that out. But go also, to- then but- the business suffers yeah. too because, like, you fight in a way you would never fight with a third party. Like, if you came to me. Yeah as a business partner and said something and I didn't agree with you, I'd be like, Polly, amazing idea. <laughs> respectfully, but I think,
0: agree yeah. to disagree.
1: <laughs> or like we could tweak it. You know, cute. <laughs> cute but like <laughs> shit sound it, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Whereas with your partner, you're like, nah, I hate it. It's
0: shit. Yeah.
1: Like it's terrible. Just come back tomorrow with a better Yeah. And it just gets blurred. Like the whole thing is just like, when are you wearing which hat? So the most important thing I think is learning how to switch between roles and actually delineate those two roles. So try and work in a different area to your bedroom. That's like, you know, step one, have working hours so that you're not trying to have a bath and then the other person comes in when you're in relaxed mode. And they're like, have you done that thing? And then you never can relax about it, you know, you have to have. Yeah, like you said, boundaries are the only way to survive it. And working out what they are physically in the house or time-wise or like have a safe word where if one of you's just like, I'm about to lose the plot, can we pull back and talk about this tomorrow? You know, like things like that so that you can have date night and know you're not gonna be like talking about your bass's pillow talk, you know? You need to have <laughs> those kind of wow. like understanding. Sarah,
0: that must have been incredibly challenging and the fact that you guys came through the other side must be testament to how strong your relationship is
1: do you know i think if you do get through it all of the things you learn about communication yeah that most couples never have to learn until like you know decades in or kids yeah we kind of had a crash course in how to talk to each other in a non-conflict causing way and i think that's made the rest of our relationship a lot <laughs> better because you get forced to learn yes you know better ways at getting through things
0: do you find that things feel so much easier now so much easier
1: (laughs) and compared to other couples we see like some of our friends will just be having like a you know a normal domestic about yeah anything and we're sort of like we would have done a SWOT analysis by now and <laughs> blah, blah, blah. You know, like we would have, we have the toolkit to sort this out. Like,
0: because wow. you can't afford
1: to let your emotions. No. You can't be like, by the way, you didn't get your match today because we had a big domestic last night and I've kicked him out and he's sleeping on the couch and we didn't have a business meeting. Like you just can't do that.
0: You just had to suck it up and do it. Yeah. Um, I've seen you say this before, I think, and it was about the importance of being really particular with the five people you spend the most time with?
1: Oh, <laughs> oh no. my favourite.
0: Oh, I thought you were going to go, oh, no, I hate that now. <laughs> no, I love it. No, it's my favourite. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Isn't it? A, I think it's a really cool approach to have, um, especially when people are lacking, like, motivation and inspiration and, and they're like, well, why, am, why are things not ticking? Well, I think it's really important to evaluate who's around you. Have you found that?
1: Absolutely. I think it's, um, it sounds really brutal. Like it sounds like you mean just get rid of everyone who's crap and like only keep the good ones, but I definitely don't mean it. No, I don't, I don't see it
0: like that. I just see it like fill those gaps with people that are going to push you to be the best version of yourself, essentially.
1: Yeah, totally. And I think it was particularly crucial leaving law because if I had chosen in that time of deciding if I was going to change my you know change my life so drastically or not if I'd chosen to surround myself with only lawyers who thought the exact same way as I used to (laughs) I was only going to get the same answer right Mm -hmm. like you know the answer you're going to get from certain friends whereas to to make a jump towards something I needed to be surrounded by people who were there at the destination I wanted to be in who were familiar with risk-taking and who weren't trained. Literally the job of a lawyer is to find everything that could go wrong and avoid it. (laughs) Business is the opposite. It's like how can we screw this up and let's try it. Yeah. Uh, So I had to learn to like reshape the echo chamber that you're in based on what you want, not what you came from. And I think that's the same with any stage in your life. And as you get older, like I think one of the things you realise is you go for quantity so much in your 20s and then in your 30s and 40s you're just like quality i only need a few people but if they meet all my needs and you know they're pushing me forwards not dragging me backwards why do you need so many people in your life you know we only have so much energy and time
0: do you think that can be applicable if the people aren't like literally located in your vicinity like can that still apply if they're online or you're having phone conversations and stuff totally and i think
1: even applying it not just to like the immediate you know like for someone in an office the five people you spend the most time with is your literal team which (laughs) is how many hours you spend you don't have a choice over that i think it's like how the people who you spend your chosen time with and that includes even as broad as the people on your feed like Mm, if you're surrounding your feed with stuff that triggers you into comparison or self-doubt in career or fitness or eating or whatever it is like that's not going to further you so you have to kind of be discerning in all of the areas where you have exposure to people basically
0: that's so so true and it I think people feel like rude or or ruthless if they kind of like cull and whatever but it's so crucial for your energy to be the best version of yourself Mm. to like to curate what you follow curate
1: Curate. can i also tell you something that i like always feel really bad saying but it's also been really game changing i put my book and then i took it out and i put it back in i took it out like seven times because i was like (laughs) i'm i sound so rude and i'm so not like that but it's necessary at some point to realize you can't please everyone Mm. so there's this concept called like catch-up cycles. That's what mm. I've kind of called it, where you'll notice that some of your friends are on like a two-week cycle. So every time they haven't seen you for about two weeks, they think of you and they're like, oh, we need to catch up. <laughs> some friends are like six-week friends, yeah. you know, and that's not anything good like or bad. The, the most regular friends aren't necessarily because you like them the most. It's just like some people's love language is physical catch-ups yes. and some people's energy is good for you more regularly, and some isn't. And but there are some friends who might be on a shorter cycle, but you want to extend the cycle <laughs> to manage your energy. Like I need to push you out to be like a like a you know like four a week. ten week
0: friend, oh, ten or ten like week.
1: A, like you know, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like yes, you, know, you how... know
0: I do. I don't know what you mean.
1: And sometimes particular people because you fit their timetable and their life has different kind of requirements yes. and freedoms to you they will automatically without even thinking keep you on a two-week cycle mm. and if you're not careful you can get caught up in that and your time every two weeks is taken up automatically
0: without you ever yes and, it, and it's really on the uh, um what do you call it it's on the uh, like routine yeah yeah it's benefiting them maybe more so than you yeah, and so
1: I've kind of learned it's okay to extend them gently
0: okay. to how a longer cycle, <laughs> how do <you> do that?
1: <laughs> which is like sounds
0: terrible, I but can it's see how really helped. That would look brutal, like written in text.
1: Yeah, I was like, I should write this down. It's basically like push people away. No, but I think it's just you know, if it is coming up every two weeks and you just don't like, I barely see. Yeah. My Best friends in the world, yes. every two, who live close to me every two weeks. Yeah, um, that you just say like, like, "I really can't do this week, but maybe next week." And then you've kind of already introduced another week to the cycle. Okay, and then, and then just push it out another one. I mean, I don't have a diary that has literally everyone's cycle, but just like in the back of my mind, sometimes someone pops up, and you're like, "I saw you like two weeks ago."
0: Yeah, but you're gonna give the best part of your. You're gonna give the best version of yourself if you if you're actually honest about that and you communicate that because otherwise you know with your timetable you're pretty pretty drained and so we I mean you... I've never
1: communicated it directly like I am extending your cycle.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: you are not a 2 week friend. Never said it quite
0: that way. Oh God it does really sound brutal like that, doesn't it?
1: I always wonder whether to say it or not to say it, but I no. actually think like From a practical standpoint, it's been one of the most helpful ways to manage my time because you sometimes don't know how your time gets eaten up by things you want to do. Like they're people you want to hang out with. It's not that you don't want to see them. It's just that you can't do it every month or every week or every whatever.
0: Yeah, and it makes it more meaningful as well.
1: And then you don't resent it because I feel like sometimes when you've overcommitted yourself, no one is to blame but you because you said yes to that thing. Mm. But then you end up resenting that you have to go when you can't fit it in, and then nobody has a good time. Yeah, and that's sort of. Exactly. That's not fair to anybody.
0: Um, I saw something else you posted which I really wanted to talk about, and it was changing your relationship with failure and sitting in the <gasps> ick. Yeah. Oh, so what, babe? <laughs> the <laughs> the ick. <laughs> I like oh, your way better. So it sounds cute. Kiwi. You progressed,
1: babe. You progressed. Did you know I did Australian
0: accent <laughs> lessons before moving to Australia? And then they were like, ah. Oh. You what? Yeah, I did. I did Aussie accent lessons. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it. I'd watch episodes of neighbours. Oh my god. Did you actually ever did you ever get
1: asked on radio to like tone down the
0: kiwi? Yeah, I did at the beginning and then. Uh, I think I did it at the beginning. There was sort of directives coming through. Like it was really the it was just the A's and the I's and then kinda of got to a point where it was like, This just sounds unnatural. Like everyone knows you, Kiwi, mate. You're not from Melbourne.
1: Yeah, it just sounds like you're some weird
0: half <laughs> yeah. half cast in the middle that just another shrimp on the is. Barbie. Like that was yeah. <laughs> anyway, um what was I saying? Uh, oh Malia. yeah Oh yeah, the egg. The eck sitting in the Ick, is that important?
1: Yes, so much. I actually feel like as a sort of default A-type perfectionist, failure is like my nightmare. Like Mm. it's something I used to avoid at all costs and then if I did stumble in any way, I'd think it was like some value on my, you know, my innate value as a person and I'd never recover from it and blah, blah, blah. But I've really learned, and particularly through, you know, I didn't possibly volunteer to learn it this way, but business inevitably involves mistakes every day because you're always testing and trying new things. No one has ever done exactly what you've done before. I realized that every single time we've messed up in some way, whether big or small, it has always fixed something Mm -hmm. or taught you something Mm -hmm. that has then stopped you from re- (laughs) Sorry, that's my gone Retriever. He agrees. <laughs> He's on your. I bed. knew this would happen at some point. He's been so quiet. I'm
0: surprised my dog isn't coming. I actually my door shut so he can't. She can't yeah.
1: get it. <laughs> yeah, oh, I've realised that. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. No, please
0: don't. Honestly, normally during a podcast recording, I have the home landline call because we're living in the bloody 1980s. <laughs> Wait, do you have a landline? <laughs> yes, it's a farmer's thing.
1: That's amazing. Oh, no, my God, No, it's Pull. not. Paul. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Cute. Okay. Okay. I th- oh, no. <laughs> it has a lot to say on failure. Oh, what a beautiful okay. dog. Okay, I think he's good. Um, um, yeah, yeah, I think so every inevitably time. Make inevitably make mistakes. Inevitably you'll make mistakes and every single time it's saved us from making that mistake in a bigger way further mm. down the track. So if you can, like, it's always going to feel yucky It's always going to feel like stingy to your ego or whatever it is. And it sometimes costs you money. Like sometimes it's been big financial failures that have set us back in time or in progress or whatever. But in every single situation, you can always say to yourself, what worse luck did this bad luck save me from? There's always a hypothetical worse, worse situation that it could have been. So I go straight to that. I'm like, what's the lesson? Because then it doesn't feel as uncomfortable. If you yeah. concentrate on like, "Oh, I could have lost double that amount of stock or I could have accidentally done triple that you suddenly feel like, even though that's still hypothetical, it still kind of makes you feel a bit better. And then you can like fall forwards instead of yes. sitting in the ick, getting all, you know, losing your confidence and going backwards in progress. You can, there's I, there's a purpose think, behind it. Yeah, I think, okay, bail forwards. Like, use this as a launch pad rather than a a backtrack.
0: It's either a blessing or a lesson.
1: Yeah. Am it's I like, right? you learn. <laughs> exactly, gal. <laughs>
0: um, but it can be very hard in the moment to sometimes remember that. So, I really like, I like that mentality. And Falling you also- forward.
1: You definitely have to let yourself think it sucks for like as long as you need to get it out. Like don't pretend like it's rosy. There's definitely times where you're mm. like, that was horrible. We lost like $100,000 or whatever Whatever yeah. it is, you know. It's not that you deny that it was awful. You're you not being toxically positive about it. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> what do you mean toxically positive? <laughs> uh, i had a teaching moment.
0: <laughs> How do you... How do you go with the self doubt that creeps in?
1: I have had a big revela- big revelation, yeah, a big revelation in my relationship with self doubt. I used to think the more you did a particular job or the further you got into a particular journey, like once I had shed my law skin and you know practiced in business a, a bit, it would go away. And then that didn't happen and I was like, oh, (laughs) am I still like shit at business? Like what's going on? (laughs) But I realized actually self-doubt is a good sign that you're doing something new. Like the minute Mm. I turned up at a talk or on TV or for an opportunity and I wasn't a little bit nervous, I'd be like, oh, are you complacent? Like do you Are you not invested anymore in doing a good job are you stopping challenging yourself to do better each time so i've stopped kind of hoping that it will disappear and realized through the podcast and you probably had this too
0: Mm.
1: no one doesn't have it like there are no humans who are like nah i'm always confident all the time most people all the way up the ladder still go but do i deserve to be here like is this a good idea it keeps you on your toes the big difference is before i would think Well, that self-doubt is fact. Like, I shouldn't do it because I have no qualifications, therefore I will fail. Instead, I'm like, that's a reflex.
0: It's telling me something, Mm. but I don't have to listen to it. Yes. So it's being able to detach from your thoughts and sit back and actually observe them and try and decipher the message instead of feeling it all and believing everything that it's telling you.
1: Yeah, and like scientifically the difference between humans and every other mammal is that ability. It's metacognition. We can think a thought and think about the thought <laughs> and other animals can't do that. So I'm really? like, we well, actually get given a choice to go, I'm hungry.
0: Am I hungry or am I bored? <laughs> oh, no I'm other person hungry. can
1: do No other like, you know, species yeah, yeah, can yeah, do yeah. that.
0: Wow. I, I actually really like that um, idea that, yeah, you're not being challenged enough if you're not feeling nervous. Well, or like, you know, it is actually a good sign that you are doing something new because my God, like you, I thought that I had shaken a lot of these inadequate feelings that I've had in the past and I, I, I thought, oh, no, you know, I'm 31 now, I'm confident, I you know, these things that used to bother me don't and, and all of a sudden it's like I'm being confronted with a whole lot of feelings of insecurity again and I'm like, hang on, is this a cycle? Like, yeah. is this is a cycle? Where does this come from? I thought, I thought, I thought you you go through it, you achieve something, and then boom. But no, it's like now you've got to go through to this whole other new level, right? It's like you're in a game. It's like you're in a video game, and it's like you've do get to the end of level one. Now it's level two, and you're gonna level like up all again. All your points
1: go back to zero, and it's like, right. sh- Jesus, and you feel like you're starting again. But I think that's the beauty of it is that yeah. if you sought comfort the entire time, you would just stay at level one and Correct. just redo level one over and over again. But then you'd never get to level 12 because you'd just stick in the Record, level one. God, that is
0: the best analogy. I'm really stoked on that. Like the video game analogy, right? Or that is you- like transformative. <laughs> Copyright <laughs> PJ, <laughs> welcome. I don't even like playing video games, but – That is – because you just feel like you're back to the start. But when you remember that you're on a whole different level this time, it makes Mm. you not feel as useless.
1: Totally. And it's sort of like, would you rather sit at, you know, level one forever but be chill? Yeah, or would you – like, would you rather be um, in the country footy league Mm. forever Mm -hmm. but – and be totally like, turn up, whatever, like no growth, or would you rather try and get into the AFL? And like some people are actually built differently. Some people would love to just just do the thing they love true. and be content. It's there are true. different types of people. But if you are like a real self-development growth, what are the horizons <laughs> I can tackle and always grow and learn things? Oh, I think I'm one of them. Then you'd want to be, you know, you'd want to get into the VFL and then you'd want to be like, you'd go to the the start of like, being a smaller fish in a big pond and then Mm. you kind of grow to the top of that and then you know it's it's I feel like your comfort zone it catches up with you because the longer you do something the more comfortable it gets so then you have to take a new scarier step yes and it's just like this ongoing leapfrog
0: thing yeah and you're not going backwards you're not failing it's just all part of the progress yeah you're supposed to (sighs) feel terrified I feel like we should wrap this up on that inspirational note because um you are a wealth of knowledge Sarah and I just I I love talking to you I love talking to you (laughs) and I 10 minutes this is what felt I know it's been like 15 minutes what (laughs) no it's nearly been an hour what do you mean I don't know
1: is this I, like Kiwi time? Like no, the
0: Kiwi and Aussie time is the same. Believe it or not. Whoa. <laughs> I'll just show you quickly what's next on the horizon for you. guys have sold your businesses.
1: Yeah, exciting things. Businesses. I'm sure. Um, it's like interestingly, it's the first time in years that I haven't known the like next five or wow. six steps. And I think COVID forced that. It forced us to be like every day that we survive is a miracle. We're Mm. so grateful. Can't plan too far
0: ahead. Mm -hmm. And it
1: made me let go of that even more, like let go of the
0: need to know what comes
1: next even more. I bet you
0: your adrenals love you so much more now.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they kind of do, but they're kind of like you're not forward planning at all. So you're also like not pacing yourself because you don't know what you're pacing yourself for. You're just kind of like going with it. But it's nice. It's very different. yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of also allowed me to think like, like babies, like there needs to be thinking about that now. Isn't that crazy you know? when that sort of
0: comes into your mind?
1: Yeah. And I, oh. instead of being like, ill, no, it's like, oh, know." Hmm. Yeah. Are we the same age? I'm 33.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is really interesting when you all of a sudden, or well, maybe if you do, um, when you do start to have that. Like oh, this could happen soon, and then you got to factor it in, and then you're like, "How does my life look like?" So
1: factoring, it's like,
0: mm. oh, factoring. What
1: do you mean? (laughs) Like, and also factoring in the fact that with a new business idea, you can control when you start. Yeah. With this, it's like I would like it to be January twenty (laughs) two, and then nature is like, "Oh my god,
0: (laughs) no!" (laughs) Your planning side is gonna hate you. It already does. Like, it's already that's like that's what I've learned. No. The biggest thing with pregnancy is surrender, man. Like you can't control so much it. Eh? Like there's just so much out of your control. And and, yeah. and that is beauty. And you yeah. really have to fall back and surrender and go, Okay, well, these are the cards I've been dealt. You know, in terms of A, the kind of pregnancy you have or what your kid ends up being like. You know, there's just so many different factors.
1: Which is actually why it came into my mind now, because I'm like, this is the most I've been forced ever to Mm. surrender to just anything like time, weeks, job. Will I have like business? Like you don't know what's tomorrow at the moment. So I'm like, maybe that's a good time before I get back into like, okay, stability, (laughs) certainty, like just roll with the crazy while I'm used (laughs) to it, (laughs) you know, so it's not so abrupt. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Surrender babes. Beautiful thing, uh, yeah,
1: yeah. I'm like, and does that come naturally to you, surrendering? Do you know what's weird? The old me was the opposite. I didn't even know how to surrender. Like, yeah. could not even articulate what that would look like for me. <laughs> but I'm very. I, it's turned out that I'm like, I don't live anywhere in the middle of any spectrum. I'm only at either end at all times. When totally <laughs> like full control. Yeah, or so I'm like whatever will be will be. <laughs> everything and then I'm like I just don't even like the universe will you know do it and then it's like babe we have to like do the act at the right time and I'm like no the universe and he's like like too much surrender like stalk is not going to bring the baby you know you have to kind of like there's actually like a physical
0: action that needs to happen
1: yeah and like at a certain time that you need to figure out and i'm like oh no but i'm surrendered to nature and he's like i don't think that's quite how it you know happens. i love it it's one or and the, then other. the other and like it's like okay we need to do no this at 101
0: p.m and you're going literally to
1: <laughs> and sometimes i make a conscious choice not to buy the ovulation stick like i know myself and yeah, i'm like yeah, if yeah. i do one percent i'll do a hundred percent so it's like don't buy them so that you don't do the crazy you know just like yeah just let it be and yeah. then but then he's like there's a middle ground that's where you're supposed to live don't know can't do work it, it, can't it out middle ground.
0: you will work it out and maybe you'll eventually somehow fall somewhere into the spectrum. <laughs> it's a little less extreme
1: I mean I love the extremes it keeps things interesting a bit bit stressful but
0: oh Oh, Sarah thank you so much for joining me today you're hilarious and um, (laughs) such a wealth of knowledge and I can't wait to see what is in store for you next whatever that looks like I'm sure it will be amazing
1: Oh, PJ, thanks so much for having me. This has been delightful. Time has (laughs) flown. I've been having so much fun.
0: 55 We've, like, cracked 55 minutes.
1: Whoa, man. I feel like I could keep going for literal hours. I know. I mean, we could. (laughs) We could do a Joe Rogan. This is hour one of four? So tell me about, like, space. (laughs) What do you think about, like, life?
0: UFOs, dude, UFOs.
1: Okay, are you into that stuff? Oh, shit, yeah. Oh my god, I have some books for you to read. I'll talk to you after you. Okay, okay.
0: All right. Bye, Sarah. Bye. Have a lovely evening. Mwah. <laughs> that was my chat with Sarah Davidson. And do you see what I mean? There's just something so infectious about her. And I know you shouldn't say infectious after going through a pandemic for the last couple of years but infectious in a good way she's so charismatic and fun and bubbly and intelligent and you just know that whatever she's gonna do next she's gonna do it well and um yeah I really enjoyed that chat I hope it was as fun to listen to as it was to do if you don't follow her already uh, you can do so on Instagram spoonful underscore of underscore Sarah you can go see more from her there Hope you enjoyed the chat. Have a wonderful rest of your week and I'll be back with a new whip next week.
1: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen